No, man, I get it. The tea is good. Uh, snap. To another episode of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast, hanging out here in the house. Pinky's out. Tea with my best friend Chad Higgins. Chad, how you doing today, man? I am doing quite well. Uh, Zach got me a nice birthday gift. Got me a little. Uh, it was your birthday? Got me a nice little teapot. Little so tea we're set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am either a aging, uh, an aging man, or a you know four year old little girl. One of the two. <laughs> Well, you have you have a three year old little girl. She loves to play tea, and you're a little bit older. And now you can drink real tea, um, but you're probably also ready for that Dorcas class at church too. So you're just ready for the you know the, you went from Ruth to Naomi today. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest. Playing tea with my daughter, how is that? So it's it's fun until like I do the imaginary thing wrong. Oh. Have you experienced this with your kids? <laughs> uh, not the imaginary thing wrong. Isaiah has games where like the rules are constantly changing. <laughs> okay, because he's always trying to find a way to like, like shoehorn himself as the winner, yeah. and yet also keep it equitable. No, I don't I know. Like it's it. exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. My daughter will be like, "No, you're not supposed to eat that biscuit," and I'm like. <laughs> Baby, it's imagine. They're, they're all imagine. There, there are no biscuits. Stop eating the raspberries, Dad. Blueberries first, right? Jeez. Uh, and so then I just get really confused, and I'm like, "This <laughs> is my nine hundredth cup of fake tea." Oh man. Well, now you get to get uh, hydrated on the real things. So. Yeah, dude. The, uh, so as I get older, there are some things that I've found that I really, really enjoy. So some aging habits. Hot tea is one of <laughs> the them. Hot tea is good. Uh, you also know that I've gotten highly into chess. At a very competitive level, I think it's important to say for any of our listeners that like approach you like at conferences or see you in the wild, you're, you're pretty much always ready to throw down on some chess. I will always like, play some Kind chess. of an open invitation. Like if you're hanging out between sessions at a conference, at a YPS or C-Chad, like, hey, man, what's, I mean, like, I mean, other folks are like, follow me on Instagram. You're like, hit me up on the chess.com. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I mean, it's Gus Higgins, by the way. It's Gus Higgins. It is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of invites. You're going to get a lot of invites um, for games. Oh, man. He's good. Watch out. If you want a lesser opponent, holler at me. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to become a competitive chess player. Um, this is like so. a like a career move for later, right? Like, ministry is good now. I'm working but... to become a GM. So. <laughs> chess is good. I don't think I'll ever become a GM. I think I could become a CM okay. one day. You want to tell the folks at home, I mean, GM versus CM? Because GM, I'm thinking like, well, that's the guy at Chick-fil-A that wears the button down. Yeah, um, so, so Candidate Master is... Candidate Master. And so... Candidate Master. So, slower... No, 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 say it slowly so we can all follow so, along. So, lower uh, ELO score. Yeah, than, hold on, what did you call it? Uh, so, the you have a rating in yes, chess. Yes, it's your ELO score. ELO score. Not so, ELO like the sun, but ELO so, like, the, uh, like the Elon Musk score. It's a, lo- a lower rating. I believe it's 2100 okay. for CM... Um, I think, I think GM is, I think it's 22. I don't think there's a huge difference on ELO for between CM and GM. I may be incorrect on that. CM may be 2000. Anyways, the, one of the big differences is you have to play in a sanctioned tournament. Okay. You can't just with, do it online. With, yeah. With a certain amount of like other GMs okay. and specifically to become a GM and not like an 
I am, which is international master, like you have to have. Like, I am better than GM. No, no, no. no okay, okay. GM, GM is, is the black belt. Yeah, and then there's super GMs, but we won't get Oh, my that. gosh. I had that, yeah. I had that red stripe. Yeah. Anyways, we're on a different podcast <laughs> if we go much further into this. Um, but anyways, so, okay. yeah, I, I'm really Ch- Chasing that, that CM dream. That's it. Well, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. For some folks, that would be country music for Chad Higgins, candidate master. So It'll, track it, track the journey along. I am yeah. many years away from that, though. What's it, is this kind of like surfing where maybe you started too late to be full potential or is there still lots of room less to grow that was always my california friends is like if you don't learn to surf before you're six you'll never like really learn like you can like do it but you'll like never because like your body like just gets yeah formed for um, it i mean i i am late in the ball game which okay. is just a little okay. scary some of the synapses aren't firing as fast as they used to well i mean I got COVID and I dropped 150 <laughs> ELO did. points. That's, that's, that's my favorite, like, uh, uh, sad but good COVID story is that you, like, walked around after you got it and you're like, hey, man, I know I can't taste food. I know I still, like, have this, like, like lingering cough, but my chest game is off. That was the thing that... <laughs> Not well, your chest, but your chest game. <laughs> it, that was the problem. Uh, yeah, apparently getting air to your brain is pretty uh, important for chest. For the old chest yeah. and, and living, but also the chest, so... Well, we promised this episode a while back. Uh, we, we had a live one with some of our Essentials folks down in Houston. This is the second part from a couple episodes ago, uh, Apathy and Students. So we kind of talked about this is kind of one of the things that we're naming in some of our content stuff as we go around and kind of conference and train, uh, that the word we're hearing from a lot of youth ministry leaders, that there is an experience that's a shared communal experience of apathy. A couple episodes ago, we talked about how we feel it as apathy as ministers, like what am I doing? I don't want if I, do, I don't care. Does it matter? It's, it's that, that kind of resistance. It feels futile. Mm. Uh, but the thing that we want to pick up and talk about in this episode may, may be more relevant even now. And some of the other conversations is we're about to have in some future episodes is the ways in which we talk about that our, our students seem to be responding apathetically to a connection or attendance or patterns of participation in ministry or church activities. Like that's Rebecca, that's Tommy. We know them, but they just, they don't come around anymore. And I think we saw this patterning a couple years ago, uh, you know, instead of coming to church activities, you know, three times a month, it was like two out of four or two out of five, but there seems to be a real break the feedback that we're hearing from a lot of youth ministers is that they know who their students are. It just feels like there's nothing they can do to get them to come back or to participate. And so, Chad, I wanted to explore that a little bit for the for the listeners as they're in their office wondering, preparing for a Wednesday night session or a Sunday morning teaching, like... How, how do we help? How do we combat? Like, if this is true and students are feeling more apathetic about what the church offers, like, how do how do we, again, stay convinced and convicted about, like, the thing that we were going to teach or the, the event we were going to plan or the small group leaders we were trying to corral and train and develop? Like, where's, where's the jumping off point for us? Yeah. So let me ask you a question before we dive, like, fully into it. Yeah. We talk about apathy with students. Do you think? Do you think there is a across the board apathy with students, or do you feel like the apathy is just towards church or uh, faith or whatever? Yeah. Want to label uh, that? Uh, so from K 
Karen, who teaches high school, uh, to friends in ministry, I, I would say for every minister listening, there is a uh, rising pressure feeling uh, of, of general apathy. Like it just, what does it even matter anymore? And yeah. I think some of the root of that is that we have all we have already been overwhelmed by so much feeds and news and stories and messaging, um, but. The shift in the last couple years is some of that messaging has become so sharp and so polarized that it has literally broke us down to like, we don't even know how to like wade in or participate. And because everything is already sliced off as either A or B, red or blue, this or that, like, unless you're just aligning with the side, there's no middle left to care. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the space for a lot of students, both connected to church ministries. I think there's still big questions about faith and where God shows up and how God works. I think that's still out there. But anything that's organized or organizational or or club or curricular activity already feels like it's like parsed it's much, off. Yeah. And yeah, it's already into one of these camps. So like there's no space left for them to make a decision. It's just a line, join or die. <laughs> And so it just feels like there's nothing left for them to like make up their minds or sort out or care about unless they were already convinced by whatever the opposing force was. I I consider myself like at least somewhat of a rounded individual in more ways than one, maybe. <laughs> uh, but But you as well. And I even think... I think for us, even over the last two years, there's a, there's a little <laughs> wrestling of like, like, oh my goodness, like there's so much coming at you yeah. and like, what do I believe? What do I not believe? Just like, let you know, somebody else decide. Right, yeah. right. If they, I, I'm in. Whatever their platform, I'm in for all of it. Right. I don't agree, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you just got to, you stop listening. Right. And I can't imagine... I cannot imagine walking through the last two years as a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, think about that for a moment. Yeah. Think about all the, like, angst and feelings that you've had as an adult. Yeah. Your body has betrayed you, and your parents are fighting all the time. <laughs> right. Right, right. And, yeah, like, what do, what do I do with that? Like, yeah. you feel the tension of your parents are maybe frustrated because— you can't go to school is online and they've got, they're trying to juggle all these things too. Like think about the feeling that children must be having. Yeah. And I don't, I, I think I, I know that there's always like, we don't call them children to their face, like right, right. their youth and yeah. all these kind of things. These are children. They're not 18. They're children. They're children. Yeah. And they're not fully developed yet mentally. Like right. they're, they're, coping mechanisms with all of this have to be off the charts, yeah. right? Of like un unability, uh, their inability to cope. And I think when we're looking at them going, come to this, do this, and then now we're frustrated with them, the, the question or the encouragement that I would give is let's take a step back yeah, and ask ourselves the question of, are are we ministering to these kids? Are we helping them navigate it? Is there reason for them to be there? And yeah. now hear me. You know my heart. Hopefully our listeners, 
like the gospel presentation is the solution. Yeah. But for a lost kid or a kid that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, it's folly, right? Even right. scripture would teach that's us right. that. That's right. It's right. folly. And it's, it's one more message. Right. And I think that's really important to say in a world of messaging that until like the gospel becomes good, right. it's one more message. You're one more guy with a microphone on a Wednesday. You're one more small group leader who is trying to tell this young student one more thing, and they're just done. Right. Well, and I think, I think biblically, I think you saw people rush after Jesus with the same thing, right? Like they had ailments, they had, you know, the child who's sick, all of these kind of things. And heal us, feed us, care for us. Correct. And it's through that process that they hear the word and the word becomes alive. Yeah. And I think I think for us, instead of immediately feeling jaded or frustrated towards the students, I think we have to get back to the point of reminding ourselves our calling is to minister to these students not to just build a big massive thing yeah, yeah. and so I, I was listening to um, a guy talk about parenting yeah and he talked a little bit about one one two of the two of the biggest things that parents want are obedience and connection. The problem is the kids to listen and their kids to love them. Correct. Yeah. But a lot of times it feels like a youth pastor on a Wednesday night. Right. I want my kids to listen and my kids to love me. Exactly. I see where you're going. Go on. <laughs> but for a lot of parents, they don't understand the connection between the two. When a kid begins to so not, not just two things to want, they're related. They're related. And so when a kid becomes disobedient, the solution for many parents is to get stricter more rules, more yeah. guidance, bigger punishments, all of these kind of things. When in reality, and I'm not saying we do away with that. We're not doing away with that. What we're doing, though, is we're ramping up the connection piece. Yeah. How do we help parents connect with their student? And over time, a connection, a strong connection between a parent and a kid leads to obedience. We'll follow suit. Yeah. Primarily because the kid feels loved and cared for and the values that mom and dad hold become tangible and real and beneficial to that kid's life. Mm. I think when when we as ministers really take serious living out the gospel personally, caring for, meeting the needs, and realizing these kids are anxious. Yeah. And apathy may be a sign of depression, anxiety, worry, anger, all of these things are the way that they come out for students. And we can either be frustrated with that because we have our own agenda, or we can have compassion. And I think as ministers of the gospel, we have to have compassion for the people. And I believe when we do that and we, our desire is to serve and run after the lost, um, then they're going to begin to see value in what we teach because it's not just another idea. It becomes tangible and real in their life that Kevin was there for me and he prayed with me and he brought my family food when my dad lost his job. You know what I mean? Like any of those kind of things that become the hands and the feet of the gospel 
that our kids have to see and not just another cool youth pastor trying to be trendy and get more Instagram likes. Well, and I think the thing to reroute what you said, both in scripture and the practice of student ministry is there has, there was this idea of like, we ought to get a crowd of students together, but the work of Jesus, the crowd often happened because of the healing, not the messaging, the messaging followed the healing or the feeding and I think a lot of us have been programmed to just keep shouting the messaging, like, you know, the good news, the good news, the good news. But in a message-saturated world, it's not that we don't speak it or say right. it. We do. We say it, but the crowd responds to it. The disciples are moved by it because of the ways in which we were caring. Like, right. it's the Jesus, like, he was moved with compassion on them. Like, his heart hurt for their hurt, for their need. And, and we've got to get to that place. Like, I, you can't miss students that aren't there if you don't know the reason they may not be there. Like, it can't just be Amber's not here. It needs to be, I, I think she broke up with her boyfriend, and he's still in the room, and it's hard to come back yeah. to that. Or, like, she's really struggling at school, or he is got a lot of other activities. There needs to be compassion with how busy Tim is. And the reason that Tim's not here is that if he doesn't come on Wednesday nights to your program event, like that's his only night of the week that he's not locked into something else. Like there needs to be a care there. And for the parent, like the ways in which we long for our students to stay connected with the thing that we want to share, the the message that we want to deliver on social media or a stage or with a microphone or through a small group has got to come from a place where they know that we really care about who they are with as much as what we're going to say. Mm. And and I think I just I think about the rooms that I've sat in and watched a, a a person on stage struggle to capture the attention of those that were seated in the room and every time the solution was to shout louder or to say words like listen up or you got to hear this instead of saying Tommy, tell me what's going on. Like, get, 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 draw, draw into like what's causing the unrest. And I think we can't just keep meeting the disruption by trying to be more disruptive. Uh, and for some of us, that that's like a welcomed posture change. Like we are ready to be like that caring, kindly, priestly person role. That's that's like that's the heart of our ministry. It's how we're wired. But for some of us, this is a real like I think frustration point, tension point, because it's challenging our very philosophy of ministry, that if we just proclaim it, then then they ought to name it. And I, I, I worry for our own work and leadership and maybe even how faithful we feel to the call if we're trying to muscle our students back to leverage an effort, maybe even unfortunately guilt our students to be a part of a thing that was not addressing their felt pain. Because mm. the good news of the good news meets those who hear it where they're at. Mm. And, I, and I think that's one of the things that in, in some of the gospel language, some of the uh, sermons we like to give, the talks that we prepare, the series that we organize, we can really fall in love with what we were going to say mm. 
and not with the students who needed to hear it. Don't forget it was in the room. Yeah, and, I, and again, like we, we talk a lot on this podcast about having like good planning and not getting caught up in the week to week because you'll just drown in all of the work that comes washing over you week in and week out like waves. But there, there is something in the projection of the next three weeks, six months, year, that you'd be really sensitive and informed by the needs of your student and knowing those needs in some ways would better inform the ways in which you could minister and therefore proclaim the gospel. Like what, what, what makes the news good? And I think for a student who feels overwhelmed or isolated or that everything is already divided up either this way or that way, the hopefulness that in their messy middle there is Jesus is really, really appealing. But that means that you're going to get messy too. And I think some of our preformed opinions, because again, adults preaching to students means that we feel pretty secure in what we're going to say, needs to be understood for the student who is not quite there yet that we need to allow ourselves to meet them in their middle, unformed, adolescent, yet-to-be-named self and hear them for what they're really going through and not just what we think they ought to do because that just lines us up with one more message. You know, Zach, when when you and I first started podcasting, one of the the things that we learned was— to basically have an avatar, right? That like you're speaking to. Right. Who are we talking to? Who are we talking to? And I always told you that my avatar was me when I was like 22. Yeah. I think I think me at 22 it, when faced with the question of how do we help kids with apathy. Yeah. And I don't know if you can relate with this. I I think some of our listeners maybe could. My reason to solve that problem would have been, well, I don't want kids to be apathetic because I want them to really like our ministry. Yeah. I want them to engage with our ministry. I want them to be excited about it. I want them to bring their friends. I want them to engage. All of these things, right? I think, thankfully, I'm going to say thankfully. Okay. I think, thankfully, I feel like I've grown enough that I realize that this, the problem that I'm trying to solve has less to do with my ministry mm. and more to do with the kid. Yeah. If my concern for apathy in a kid's life is how it affects my ministry— and me, I've got the issue. Mm. My concern has to be for this kid, for this child who's hurting, who's apathetic, who do- doesn't care about your Wednesday night, but he may not also care about the sport that he used to love, yeah. going to school, hanging out with friends, and the rate of children dealing with depression after the last two years has skyrocketed. 
We have to be ministers of the gospel that stop worrying about our bottom line and start worrying about the kids in our chairs or the kids not in our chairs. Mm -hmm. To be faithful men and women of the gospel who love and chase after children, not to make ourselves look good, not to grow our ministry, but because it's right and because it's just and because it's good and because the Lord loves these kids. And you and I have the truth of the gospel that there is a God who came to this earth to set captives free. And for many of these children, their depression, their anxiety, and their worry have chains on them. And the hope that we have is not that they come to the big weekend slip and slide, yeah, but that they hear that good news that Jesus is a king who brings peace. And that's what they need in their life. And we have to be more concerned that they hear that and not just in the room.